0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. This week, we are going to start previewing the upcoming season. We're going to be talking about quarterbacks. We're going to be talking about running backs. We're going to talk about our top five at each position, and we're going to go through some of the watch lists. And we are going to wrap up just with some preseason thoughts on who the biggest or what positions, I should say, will be the biggest draft targets for the Broncos. Going into the 2023 NFL Draft. Before we get into all of that, MMA fans, as the fighters face off during UFC 277, you can take down your own big win with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. This Saturday, new customers can bet $5 on any fighter to win, get $100 in free bets, win or lose. And if you want even more action, you can double your winnings with the same game parlay. Combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, how long the fight will last, and more. Just place your UFC 277 same-game parlay, and if it hits, you'll win double. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any UFC 277 fighter to win. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. That code DNVR Saturday. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Pew, 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 pew. I'm here with my main man, Jake Schwanitz. It is another short crew episode, but that's okay. It just means we get to talk more and uh, we don't have to listen to Hank. So, I mean, that's always a that's always a pro. No, I'm just kidding. We're, uh, <laughs> we're going to throw some shade his way because he's not here and he can't defend himself. And that's really all it comes down
1: to. I have to. You have to, Um, especially now that he's on the Broncos beat. um, It feels like it's all fair game at this point, isn't it?
0: We just want to keep him humble. You know what I mean? Like little Hank all the way from Montana. He's worked his way up. It's great. Everybody loves to see it. He certainly deserves the opportunity, but uh, that doesn't mean he's not going to catch a few strays uh, from me every now and then. And honestly, I know that uh, he'll do the same to me. That's just how it works. That's (laughs) That's what our relationship's all about. Um
1: I, I can't C- wait C- till C- rivalry never dies.
0: No, exactly. I mean, we might ma- we might not be playing every year, but we get the pettiness out and in other interactions. Like you're, you're walking, both guys are going to the door. I'm gonna beat him to the door. Why? Because I gotta win that competition. Life is a competition. Uh, <laughs> I, I, so, competition I sound like one of those douchey guys on TikTok who's <laughs> like, if you don't view your life through this lens you're getting left behind. Here's five products that changed my life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, All right.
0: um, I'm excited though. I'm excited to finally get into this because we're finally starting to talk about you know college football. It, it's been a lot of hypotheticals about like what the game is going to look like, but now we're actually going to talk about the players, the, the games themselves and, and not you know what could may or may not happen, you know, with, with conference realignment, it's just become kind of a lot, but uh, you have a couple of watch lists you wanted to bring up. So where do you want to start with this?
1: Um, Yeah, let's start on the quarterbacks. I mean, uh, how does it feel though? Uh, You know, entering a draft season entering a college football season uh, as Bronco fans, not having to worry about the quarterbacks coming out this year. Oh my God. What a feeling, Justin. It's just a completely different,
0: mindset this entire year it's going to be fun it's going to allow us to just kind of focus on all of the positions I mean we just got so so locked in on QB and and tackle a little bit to an extent just because those have been the needs for I mean really going back to like 2015 it's just been a consistent need for these teams you could still argue that tackle may be a need particularly right tackle but yeah Russell Wilson changes everything right like i'm I'm really looking forward to watching these quarterbacks and it's going to be fun to just get to to see the race unfold without the context of like god if we don't land one of these top three we're screwed
1: <laughs> yeah exactly um and it's a talented class uh, i've got uh the Davey o'brien national quarterback award watch list pulled up here um a lot of interesting names uh i think it's worth mentioning that I see Caleb Williams on this list, so um, it's not going to be all draft-eligible guys, but I'm assuming most of these guys are, just looking through it real quick. Um, and let's just start at the top. I mean, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, it seems like entering this season, that's going to be kind of the debate that really defines this QB class. Both guys came out as first-year starters last year with the world on fire. Um, personally, for me, uh, I'm not quite there on C.J. Stroud yet. Um, a bit shaky starting off last year. And uh, I just want to see him carry over some of that consistency that he ended last season with. Whereas Bryce Young, of course the Heisman trophy winner uh, seems to be in line to be the next number one overall pick Um, a few, I'd say worthy kind of knocks uh, his way in terms of size and play style so far. Uh, But what are your thoughts on the top two?
0: Yeah. I mean, at this point that's the consensus, right? It's, some version of these guys are are one, two, and and we'll talk about some of the other people that we're excited about this year. But for me, from from what I've seen so far, it's Bryce Young pretty significantly over Stroud. I, I like CJ. I think, you know, obviously he's got great size. He throws a really nice football. He hangs in well. But I mean, when you just watch Bryce Young, and obviously the deep ball is really pretty, but what I love is his ability to extend the play. He's so shifty. He he escapes well, and he's good at improvising, but he still makes good decisions. It's one of those where I, I feel like he moves much better than Tua or Mac, and both of those guys actually could slide in the pocket pretty well, but he has the ability to scramble or step up, kind of depending on the scenario. But he's a better thrower of the football than Jalen Hurts, so it's kind of like a best-of-both-world scenario with him. and. Gosh, I mean, he's a little bit undersized, obviously, only six foot, like 190 pounds, 200 pounds, I think is what he's listed. At. That's what but he's I, listed. Yeah. I call BS. He's not 200 pounds. Yeah. But I uh, mean, I just I don't know how you don't fall in love with that guy when you watch him. He's one you kind of have to be careful with, though, because if you just turn on the highlights, you're like, this is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my life.
1: Yeah, for sure. Super live arm. That's one of the first things that stood out to me when he kind of appeared on the radar. Just appearing, uh, in the blowouts that Mac Jones would get pulled out of a couple years ago. Um, a couple names that we're all very familiar with on this list. I'm looking at guys like Bo Nix here, Stetson Bennett, uh, DTR at UCLA, Spencer Sanders. These are all guys that have played a long time. Um, is there anyone that you think can really make the jump? I guess. Uh, Do we see someone like a Bo Nix actually turning in a solid season? Uh, I look at someone like Sean Clifford, maybe, but what are you thinking here? Yeah,
0: there's, there's a lot of really old quarterbacks across the country this year. And I think some of them are going to be successful. Like I I see a scenario in which Bo Nix is going to be good at Oregon. Do I think he's going to play his way into like the top five of my draft board? No, I just, I, we've seen, such a large sample size with some of these guys and I feel very similar with you know DTR he's he's improved significantly and I give him you know great credit but I feel like with some of these guys they they are who they are at this point I mean when you look at them or you know the Brennan Armstrong of Virginia or just some of these redshirt seniors a Tennessee's quarterback I'm trying to blank on his name but he's he might be the most dynamic athlete of any of them but he doesn't make any reads. He's a redshirt senior, and he always looks to run first. So that's, that, that's a concern. The, the guy I want to hear about, though, the, the guy our audience is dying to know, is where are you with our boy, Philip Jerkovic? Is he going to oh, crack man. your top five? Or is that redshirt senior tag is going to be tough for him? Coming off of an injury, he's old. But <laughs> I, he's um, our guy, though. We can't abandon him now.
1: He is. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I sl- I put him at number five, sharing number five with someone. I just had to throw him in that spot just because I I have to. He's on kind of like my personal watch list here. Um, you know, battled with injuries the past couple of years. Of course, the transfer from Notre Dame uh, during that COVID season in 2020, where, I mean, he played lights out then. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, he's still got Zayfla. Flowers there, Uh, some good offensive linemen also, I think the settings around him. And uh, yeah, I'm going to still carry that banner until uh, he gives me a reason not to anymore. Uh, Someone else I'm interested on this list, Malik Cunningham, uh, the guy at Louisville, the dual threat player. Um, You know, a lot of people are going to profile him similar to Lamar Jackson, because he does kind of have that same athleticism and arm power, Um, just hasn't really shown the consistency. Of uh, someone like Lamar. Uh, he's someone I think of here. Uh, Bo Nix, yeah, interesting uh, fit having him at Oregon. I think it's going to be one of the storylines of the season, watching how he kind of, I guess, progresses. I heard a very surprising stat yesterday uh, listening to a Pac 12 uh, preview podcast. Number one was Bryce Young in this category, and number two was Bo Nix. And, and this is actually a good stat. He was actually one of the more successful intermediate throwers. In last year's class, he it came in at number two. It throws from 10 to 19 yards in terms of completion percentage. That just shocked the hell out of me. Uh, because when I watch Bo Nicks, uh completions seem to come few and far between. Um, but yeah, just an interesting situation there. If you want to get started on the uh, your top five, go ahead and hit it with us.
0: Yeah, just the, the last thing I'll say before we kind of dip into these and it's just a weird year because I think some of the quarterbacks that are could be called the best quarterback in college football outside of maybe Bryce Young and Stroud, if you remove them from the conversation, the Phil Dracoviches of the world, it's going to be weird because I think a lot of these guys, him, Bo Nix, they're going to have good seasons. But it's like if, if you're framing it from an NFL draft perspective, and, and that's what I did with this list. Um, I don't have them in the top five. Age is a big factor. Injury, some of that kind of stuff. But I'll just jump right into it then. Bryce Young won. I mean, he's got the best deep ball of anybody that I've seen in college football. I already talked about his ability to extend the play. I I just think for a guy that looks like he's playing chaotically, he's very much under control and the numbers don't lie in that regard. So I I, I very much love him. I think he's going to have a huge year. I think expectations with this Bama team have got to be through the roof after what they accomplished last year, and the fact that, in my opinion, they have the best quarterback, best edge rusher, and uh, we'll talk about this later. Surprisingly, they might have the best running back, too, and we'll talk about that a little bit later because Robinson's a stud at Texas, but I'm telling you. At three, though, and I have Stroud, too, just to make that clear. I, I want to see more from him, but I, he, he's my two. Three, I went with Tanner McKee from Stanford. Um Okay. He, that offense is super boring, and I only was able to watch three games because it was just like, oh, my God. Like, this... I, I feel bad for the Cardinal fans. It, it's a more effective version of what Steve Adazio is trying to do. At least they're actually tough and able to run the football, so, like, they do d- do what they set out to. But, man, in 2022, it's weird to see... 6'6", six, six, um, he he makes some really impressive throws down the sideline, his ball placement. It, it looks nice coming out of his hands. I will say there are times where it kind of seems like the ball is floating a little bit, and I'm not sure if it's because he's tall and it's just like a deceptive angle. I, I He might need a little bit more zip on the ball, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say, but... I don't know, man. I, I think he's a guy that really could surprise some people this year because he's got the frame. He throws a really nice ball. He makes good decisions. He's good in the pocket, and he can run. I mean, like, he's a guy that I think could be very effective in, in modern football, I'll do some RPO stuff with him. But, uh, yeah, he's he's my number three. Who do you have?
1: Um. Yeah, so same top two. I actually went with Will Levis at number three. I want to kind of go off your Tanner McKee pick here um, just because – We've seen Davis Mills kind of step in uh, from Stanford as a rookie last year and really show that he can, you know, at least not look terrible at the NFL level. I don't want to get too hype on Davis Mills uh, so far. Looks more competent
0: season. than what we'd seen from Broncos quarterbacks the last couple of years. You take away that one fluky Thursday night performance where he just got his the
1: first teeth one. I think,
0: yeah, yeah, it was brutal, but he was good, man. That was like, Uh, they had nothing to work with and he was able to kind of lead some drives and get that offense going. You know, I don't think McKee's a sexy pick, but I think he's got all the right tools and in in the right situation, I could
1: definitely see him being effective. Sure. Um, And I think just as long as David Shaw's at Stanford and they continue to run this super pro style offense and they keep on finding these quarterbacks uh, that are able to execute it at a high level. You're going to keep seeing guys like Tanner McKee and Davis Mills on these watch lists and getting drafted pretty high. Um, but my third guy, I put Will Levis here. Um, just playing in the SEC, the kind of dual threat ability and the way he was able to sort of carry Kentucky at times last year. Um, I know Vondale Robinson was a big reason for their success. Uh, but Will Levis is looking to have a, big year this year i thought about moving him down because of the uh the mayo and the coffee thing that's just disgusting and uh i don't at some point i have to take a stand but i don't think it's at this point yet so uh i'll leave him at three for now
0: yeah i i had him at four um i i I almost took him off my list too, just because that—that that was the grossest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so nasty. It was one thing to see the tweet, but to see the video, because I thought it was a joke, and to see the video, come on,
1: man! Like we got to—that's a bit. He is playing the hell out of it. I just got to say, straight to but jail.
0: That's all I have to say. Straight to jail. <laughs> we need to have—we have to have some standards as a country. there, there are most things that we cannot agree upon. But this should not be a divisive topic. We are an anti-Mayo in our coffee country. What the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, he's <laughs> Kentucky is my guilty pleasure team. Like I, they just they're tough as hell on both sides of the football. They're always going to be in it. I don't think he necessarily has like the best arm in the world, but you've seen enough from him. From a, a touch perspective, I think I'd like to see a little bit more, just with some of the stuff like in between, especially. I, I like his deep ball, but yeah, I I just I wonder how much of it has to do with the, the system, and they do a good job of letting it getting the ball out of his hands fast, and I don't know, they're, they're, It worries me a little bit, but I think he's got the raw tools. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I try not uh, to man, be too. Four. I try not to be too. I don't know, like first takey with these. You know, I mean, when you're just like nitpicking right. and looking, and but I mean, you do have to consider, like, if you're really trying to draft these guys, the projection of how's this going to translate. I don't know. He, he worries me a little bit, but I like him. He's fun. Kentucky's a lot of fun to watch. Who you have at four?
1: Uh number four, I've got Devin Leary, uh, my guy from NC State. Um, you know, Phil Dracovic's my guy, and I've talked at BC quite a bit, but I, I'm really big on this NC State team this year. Um, I think this is a team that can come out and outright win the ACC, to be completely honest, uh, barring Clemson just deciding to be that they're really good again. I think that NC State, honestly, has the biggest chance, and it's because of Devin Leary. Um, he's got a few weapons on the outside. Of course, he loses at Ikemaquandu. So offensive line isn't going to be nearly as good. But I've seen a lot from Devin Leary that I've liked. I think he gets the ball out really quickly, uh, really accurate. Um, Just good command of the field. He's also one of those guys that's kind of mobile. Um, You know, I'm not going to call him Lamar or Kyler Murray here, but he's a guy that can kind of run around and get the uh, dirty work done if he has to. Um, And then at number five, uh, I already mentioned Dracovic there. And then I slid in Jake Hayner right next to him. Um, just based off of last year and how impressed I was from his play, uh, I just want to see if he has that next level. So I think he deserves the respect to at least uh, as we enter the season be on the list at number five for me. Uh, we'll see if he sticks there. But I think he's the guy that um when it comes down to mentality and toughness, uh, that's what you're looking for in a quarterback. The ability might not be all there. The ceiling might not be there. Uh, But in terms of a guy that you want behind center kind of leading your football team, uh, he's one of the best in college football.
0: No, I agree. Uh, I had Leary at five. I did put him over Hayner as much as it pained me. I I think he's really effective in play action. You know, I, I agree with your assessment. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not Lamar, but he's got some escapability. They run some RPO stuff for him at times. He, he reminded me, almost maybe of like a Jake Plummer with a better arm. You know, he's really effective on those little rollouts. He gets dumps the ball to the tight ends a lot. I, I like his game. It, it reminds me of what I grew up watching. I would put Hayner just on the outside looking in. Um, I'd put him at six. And then behind him, I'd probably put like Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina. I like he throws a nice ball too. Also another guy who's not, you know, Kyler Murray, but is effective in... In those run scenarios, um, there's a lot of really athletic quarterbacks this year, man, but they're all really small. And that's what worries me with Hayner is he, he he like Bryce Young, they're probably right around the same size. So it feels a little bit hypocritical of me to be like, well, it's not a problem for Young, but it's this massive problem for Hayner. Hayner runs around a lot more. He plays a little bit closer to RG3 than Russell
1: Wilson. Got a bit of that, uh, kind of irrational fearlessness to him, to his game, and it's
0: what makes him fun. Like it's, it's the reason they were able to win that UCLA game on the road. It's, I mean, you watch him just getting beat to hell and get up and make throw after throw after throw. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he's in the Heisman candidate, uh, conversation when it's all said and done. I mean, he has the ability to put up those numbers. He's got great playmakers around him, uh, a system that's gonna help him put up numbers as well they're gonna stretch the field a lot he's fun he he's it wouldn't surprise me if like at the end of the year everyone's talking about Hainer kind of the way they were you know talking about Carson Strong I, I don't think people are gonna obsess over him the way that they freaked out over Josh Allen because that was just a different level but he's fun I, I'd love to see him potentially be an All-American
1: a huge opportunity for him to open the season too. of course, playing in the mountain West, um, you know, the schedule might be a little bit of an issue, but out of conference wise, uh, they've got Oregon state September 10th. And of course, USC, September 17th uh, can That's winnable. Off the big, early in the year. It, it can, it can, it can be, can they pull off the big double LA back-to-back upset? Um, yeah. Great analysis there. Um, a few other guys I want to mention though, too, Uh, Jaron Hall at BYU, a guy that is kind of seeming to carry a lot of this hype for BYU as an independent this year. Uh, Of course, a really tough schedule. Um, I'm not going to compare him to Zach Wilson or say that he's near that level, uh, but he's the reason why BYU is hyped so much. Um, He kind of plays similarly. I mean, Wilson had just a
0: freak arm, but they they have a little bit of that video game play style i'm gonna run around and oh i threw it deep and my receiver went up and moss to db for it It shouldn't have worked but it did
1: right um i mean and zach wilson kind of came out of nowhere too so who knows where hall actually ends up on the list towards the end of the year uh, a few other guys i think worth mentioning i mean you you talked about brendan armstrong a little bit um you know we got into a little bit of bo Nix, spencer rattler also of south carolina now Uh, Cam rising at Utah, another one of the reasons why Utah is kind of so highly hyped. And you're going to see probably a lot of Twitter hype for a guy like Tyler Van Dyke at Miami, too. Uh, You mentioned Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas. Also, as you mentioned, a lot of athletic, dual-thready type quarterbacks. Anyone else that you think is worth mentioning before we move on?
0: I like Jefferson. He's a guy I think could pop this year, potentially. needs to make a little bit better decisions with the football, but I do think he would translate a little bit better than the Tennessee kid would. But, yeah, I think we pretty much covered our bases at this point with the NFL draftable quarterbacks. Um, I mean, I'm interested to see what happens at Florida, obviously, after
1: that whole scenario last year.
0: then Georgia. Also, shout out to...
1: Yeah, it's with Stetson Bennett. Um, I just also want to shout out Grayson McCall at Coast of Carolina, a guy who's played really well over the past two years, and there's a big season here too.
0: Yeah, him and him and Hayner were my just outside. So I I like both of them. They they played a lot of big time games. That's another thing. If you want to talk about like a leader, you know, if you want to obsess over something like that, I think Hayner, I think um, McCall are exactly that. They have. Made up for some deficiencies at, at points, they have been able to overcome adversity. You know, it's, it's corny, it's stereotypes, but stuff like that matters. I mean, I, you know, a quarterback that crumbles under the pressure all the time. I don't want to take shots, but Spencer Rattler, I feel like is a pretty good example of this. Somebody who has all the talent in the world, but would you ever feel comfortable with that guy leading your team down the field? Like there's two minutes left. We need six. He's got the arm to do it, but I don't know if he has it upstairs.
1: I think that's exactly the Bo Nix argument. I mean, agreed. you know, physical talent and, uh, you know, just using your eyes. This looks like a guy that could potentially be, you know, one of the better quarterbacks, not only in college football, but potentially entering entering the draft. Uh, It just comes down to the the consistency and kind of the, as you mentioned, the decision making, the upstairs, uh, you know, fortitude. Do you have that? Some guys do and some guys don't. And it's kind of apparent who doesn't, who doesn't.
0: I get it, man. Sometimes I force a pick on Madden and I'm like, he was covered. Why'd I throw? No, I'm not going to compare myself. But uh, Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer at DNVR. Beers on tap and regular seltzers will be sold at the bar once we are reopened. You guys know we love our Breck brew at DNVR. I got a trunk full of Breck brew right now. Heading to the mountains to spend some time with the family. It's going to be awesome. Give a beer for any occasion. Personally, I'm a mountain beach kind of guy. Can't go wrong with Avalanche Ale, but they've got hard seltzers. They've got hard lemonades. They've got hard sodas, juice drop IPA, strawberry sky, vanilla porter. You name it, they've got it. What's awesome is if you check out the Breck Beer Locator, you can find the closest liquor store grocery store near you that sells all of those delicious Breck products. Go check it out, breckbrew.com. You love Breck, we love Breck. It's all about that Breck baby. All right, let's talk about the running backs because this is going to be... A really fun year for running backs. It's going to be a fun year for quarterbacks. Um, but I came in when I wanted to do this list. I was like, "Well, I'm just going to mark Bijan Robinson off at, at number one. That's done. Check. I've viewed him that way for two years. But man, I've been watching a lot of Jameer Gibbs lately because he transferred to Bama from Georgia Tech, and this guy really reminds me of Dalvin Cook. Like he is so explosive, he's so fluid in the open field, he's got this ability to just hit that next gear to get to the second level and outrun everybody, effective as a pass catcher, there's some really, really fun running backs, so who are who are some of the guys that we should keep an eye on uh, outside of Jameer Gibbs and B. John Robinson, and, and then we'll talk about those guys as well
1: um yeah i mean there's quite a few veterans i mean i'd be i have to start off with my guy blake Corum at michigan i thought he played awesome last year um and the guy he ended up replacing who he caused to transfer zach charbonnet um i've got him pretty high on my list i do too Uh, his style um he's a big bruising back uh so his his play style is uh We'll get to that conversation when we get to it, I guess, in about March or April. But um, I don't really know if it's the most sustainable. He did break a ton of tackles last year. I think it was upwards of uh, almost 70 tackles last year, which nearly led the country, if not was very close. So uh, it, it it's awesome to watch at this point. I mean, he, he's one of the reasons why I think the UCLA running game was so good. Of course, they had Britton Brown, too. But Charbonnet was just on a different level. Um, lots of returning guys, though. Guys returning from injury, Mohamed Ibrahim. Uh, with the torn Achilles last year in the opener. Uh, He was very impressive in that opening game. It's a shame we didn't get to see more of him. Uh, You already mentioned Bajan Robinson. Um, Man, there's just so many guys. Uh, I'll tell you another guy who I don't have on my list that I'm intrigued by, Will Shipley out of Clemson. Uh, He's someone I've kept my eye on over the past few years. He's got breakaway speed. Uh, We'll see if Clemson's able to get back to at least fighting for the ACC title this year. Uh, If they do, I think DJ and Will Shipley will play a big role in that. Uh, What about you? Who do we got for you? I'm glad you brought up Charbonnet because he's,
0: uh, I agree. I don't know how, you know, five years from now, is he still going to be able to run that that same style? We shall see. But man, he's a freight train. Nobody can bring him down. He was out there just kicking LSU's ass rewatching that game. I forgot how much of that game was just him like between the tackles going for eight, nine, a pop. And I like that we, I like that we saw a little bit more versatility from him once he went to UCLA. They used him as a pass catcher. That makes me, you know, feel a lot better about how his game's going to translate to the next level. But yeah, he he is awesome. And then uh, going a complete one eighty, my guy Deuce Vaughn. He he's mm. the most fun player in college football. I'm comfortable saying that. Five foot seven. Listed at 170 pounds, so who knows what he actually is. But when you watch him, man, he runs so hard. He does not shy away from contact at all. He's really hard to bring down because he's got such a low center of gravity and he just gets below your pad level. He's hard to see, I think, coming behind those offensive lines. I, I, I don't know what his game would look like at the next level. But I do think there is a way for Deuce Vaughn to be a productive guy, even in the NFL, because I just think somebody that athletic, that unique with the right coaching staff, I don't want to get lazy and, you know, another Kansas State small back and be like, he's the next Darren Sproles, but he could be that type of player that, you know, scat back, effective as a return guy, use him on third down, swing passes, screens, all kinds of stuff. Kansas State could be sneaky this year. I've talked about it a couple times. Then they got Adrian Martinez from Nebraska. They've got some experience defensively. I like what they've got. They're a, they're a team I've got my eye on to potentially make
1: some noise. Yeah, you've been on them. I hope the listeners are taking note, like I have, to put Kansas State early on the watch list this season. Um, before we get into top fives, too, I want to mention also Jerick Broussard uh, transferred out of Colorado to Michigan State. He is on this list. Uh, of course, kind of battled injuries, just inconsistent play overall from the offensive line uh, last year. So, you know, in terms of production, it was somewhat disappointing. He did have a few games towards the end of the season where he kind of looked like the old Jerick. Um, But getting back to that 2020 form, we just saw Kenneth Walker just completely run over the entire country, nearly win the Heisman and take Michigan State into the playoff. Um, I don't know if Jarek Broussard is exactly capable of that but Kenneth Walker was a, you know, a smaller running back that actually kind of put the team on his back. We'll see if he's able to do that at Michigan state. All right, Justin, uh, let's start off with the list, man. Who you got at the top two here.
0: All right. For uh one, I'm going Jameer Gibbs, Alabama. He transferred oh. over from Georgia tech. Like I said, I just, I think he's the most dynamic running back in college football. I don't think there's anything in which he can't do. I think anytime he touches the ball, there's a pretty good chance that if it's not going for fifteen twenty, it's going for 55-60. I think he's one of those guys that, admittedly, I just did not watch enough last year because he played for Georgia Tech. And then, you know, once I saw that release, oh, Alabama signs him, you know, you go and you look at him. First time I saw him, fell in love. But that's usually how it goes with transfers. You get super excited. So I wanted to, I wanted to remind myself, you know, give it a month. So I did. I gave it a month. I went back and watched it again. Loved it even more. So I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm Maybe i looking through this with my Bama lenses, but if there's a more dynamic player in the game, I have yet to see it.
1: I love it. Um, I actually have not caught up on him yet, but after hearing you today, that's going to be one of the first things I do after we get off this podcast is catch up on last year's Georgia Tech film uh, and see what's up with my guy Gibbs. I started off with Bajon Robinson. Um, I just can't think go he's clearing in a way the best back in the in the country at this point. And number two, I also listed Zach Charbonnet. Uh, so I'll just go on to number three. I put Devin A.K. out of Texas A&M. Um, another A&M guy for me. Um, Nearly, I mean, he basically outproduced Isaiah Spiller last year in terms of, uh you know, average per carry. Um, he almost broke a thousand yards. He also had 261 yards in the receiving game. Uh So kind of that, You know, able ability to, you know, contribute in the pass game. Uh, He's also just got blazing speed, uh, just kind of cut on a dime type of speed. Uh, We'll see if he's able to, you know, kind of carry this momentum as he assumingly takes the reins in this Texas A&M backfield. He's one of those guys
0: that outruns people. And for a second, you're like, is he just going against slow defenders? And then you're like, (laughs) oh, he just runs that fast, that effortlessly. It's not that it's, you know, he's, Sometimes I question, especially if it's you're watching, you know, like somebody burn a G5 team. It's like, is this back actually fast or are those, you know, linebackers running four nines? No. Robinson is fast as hell. He's got great vision. He's one of those dudes that can just make one cut, beat you. And then by the time the backer is able to adjust, he's, you know, four yards past him. Love him. I would have been my one if I didn't completely fall in love with Jameer Gibbs, but those two are cool. so fun. Uh, three, I have Charbonnet as well, so we're, we're really high on him. Uh, four, uh, I struggled here. I wanted to do Deuce Vaughn. I just have a hard time saying it with how small he is. I just We'll see. I think he's a little bit of a, of a novelty player. He's got to be in the right system, but I think the potential is there. I actually went with Lou Nichols the 3rd though. He's Central Michigan's starting running back. He, All right. he's just a, he looks like a bowling ball out there, man. Always seems to bounce off tackles. Great vision. He's effective as a pass catcher. Funny enough because he's playing for Jim McIlwain, the way they use him and the way I see him out there it reminds me a lot of Capri Bibbs at Colorado State, but he mm. he runs a little bit better. I I do want I do worry about the breakaway speed. He's he's one of those guys where it's like he looks so smooth out there. It's effortless. Are these slow Mac defenders or is this going to translate? So that would be my only concern. But the guy's a stud. If you haven't watched him, go check him out. And he's going to be a fun midweek watch when it's Tuesday night and the Mac's on and nothing else is happening.
1: Watch some Lou Nichols the third. Justin absolutely in his bag, pulling out Central Michigan in July. I love it. Um, <laughs> moving on to my number four. I think, I don't know if this is just out of respect, but this is a guy that's finally getting an opportunity to leave this backfield. And he's a Georgia running back. So I put Kenny McIntosh at number four. Um, you know, he's kind of waited behind Zamir White the past few years and has played nicely in the rotational role. Um, I, I just am excited to see him in a full-time role here. Can he be kind of the next Georgia running back? Uh, They lost a lot on the offensive line. They lost the whole left side, Um, but it's Georgia. I have faith that they'll be able to replace the dogs up front. And McIntosh has been able to get on the field for the past three years for a reason. Let's see if he's able to kind of continue that. Maybe kind of a a Brian Robinson Jr. type of uh, trajectory, if you will, in terms of just, you know, biding his time and waiting. Uh, Do you want the number five here? Do you want to go here?
0: I I had McIntosh five. Um, I think there's a good chance. He plays his way up to, you know, the two three four conversation when it's all said and done. I I, you, I gave my CMU guy the bump just based on what we've seen so far. But I mean, when you look at this long line of productive running backs and from the small sample size with what we've seen so far, I, he's going to be killer. You know, he's, he'll be a guy that goes for 1,200 plus yards, double digit touchdowns. I mean, it's, it's
1: his year. Georgia backs, man. They just keep pumping him out. My final guy on my list, I put Tank Bigsby out of Auburn. I love it. That's fun. He got a lot of hype coming out last year, uh, going into last year. I don't know if he exactly delivered on it, but going back and looking on the stats, I mean, he ran for uh, 10 or 1,099 yards, had a 4.9 average, uh, 10 touchdowns. He only had 21 receptions, 184 yards in the receiving game. Uh, So you want to see that receiving game a bit more fleshed out for sure. Um, and the dip in the average yards per carry too, slightly concerning, but you know, Auburn up front last year was a complete mess. Maybe that's part of the reason why Bo Nix was running for his life all of last year. Um, but huge opportunity, I think, to kind of restate his claim as one of the best backs in the country. Uh, he is a talented player. Uh, so I just wanted to put him on there just so that people don't forget. Um, Travis Dye, the transfer out of Oregon uh, to USC, uh, a guy who another one of these guys, Justin, kind of small, um, kind of slim. But in terms of a peer runner and the speed that he showed on the field, I'm very intrigued. And I don't even think we named possibly the best running back in the country. He's only going to be a sophomore next year. But Trayvon Henderson at Ohio State, uh, yeah. we just have to mention him. He's going to be an absolute stud and they're just going to be running the hell out of him, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I posed the question if there's a more dynamic player in college football. I'm not sure I've seen it. He, it might be Henderson. He's him and, and those Ohio State wide receivers are just going to be insane this year. Um, uh, to an extent, it's what kind of makes the, the Stroud evaluation hard, right? It's the same conundrum you had with Tua. It's, you know, is he actually a stud or is it just because he's got Jerry Judy and Jamison Williams and Henry Ruggs and all these people?
1: I think it's a valid question, man. I mean, I was actually thinking about this yesterday, kind of just walking around town. Um, But when CJ Stroud, I mean, it's possible that last year might've been the best receiving court he might ever have as a football player. I mean, that just doesn't happen that you have Jackson Smith and Jigba Marvin Harrison jr. um, And then the guys that were drafted in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, that's just out of control. And then this guy Henderson's in the backfield too. Um, Yeah. So it, it I'd say it factors somewhat for sure. I mean, I think we're uh, we're good enough at watching the game, though, that we can kind of separate Straub's talent from everyone around him. Though.
0: Yeah, it'll it's a big year for him. I mean, Ohio State, they're right off the bat. It, it's going to be fun because they're playing some fun non-conference games. It's not going to be a scenario where it's, you know, week one, we're watching Ohio State beat Youngstown State or, or something like that, the University of Ohio. We're going to get some... Some big-time matchups. I cannot wait. Uh, Any other running backs that you want to throw out there just to keep an eye on?
1: Um, Looking through the list here, I mean, I've seen Sean Tucker out of Syracuse get some hype. Uh, Tavion Thomas out of Utah again. um, I mean, Utah has been mentioned as one of the best teams in a potential Pac-12 winner this year. For many reasons, uh, Cam Rising and Tavion Thomas being one of them. Uh, Also looking through... I think I'm good. I mean, Cameron Peoples out of App State is a name I'm familiar with also, Um, but I think I'm good here.
0: I'll throw out Toa Tua of Nevada, big, beefy Samoan running back. Um, Not the greatest breakaway speed in the world, but kind of Charbonnet-esque with the way that he plays seeks out contact. I mean, if there's a DB coming through, he's not going to step out of bounds. He's going to drop the shoulder and make the DB question if he ever wants to get in his way again. I personally just love that style. Uh, Jordan Mims of Fresno State, versatile guy, decent pass catcher, could get used as a returner a little bit as well. But yeah, I think, I think we pretty much covered it. The one I keep thinking about is Bruce Broussard after you brought it up. I could I could definitely see him popping with Michigan State this year.
1: Yeah. Very interesting. Right. Uh, Of course. He was awesome in 2020. Yeah. He uh, led the country in those six games that he uh, actually played. I mean, I know it kind of comes up as an asterisk, but uh, in terms of yards per game in that season, he led the country. Um, But yeah, reunited with Mel Tucker. We'll see if he's uh, kind of able to carry around that, uh, that Kenneth Walker type of, uh, you know, spirit to him. I just don't know if he exactly has the size. I mean, Kenneth Walker was a stocky little dude. Uh, whereas Jarek Broussard, you know, really kind of skinny. Um, and I do kind of worry about his health a bit, but if he's healthy, uh, assuming he's completely healthy and that knee is healed, hopefully that speed is back and, you know, we'll probably see Broussard breaking off some huge runs for the Spartans.
0: That's going to be the thing is, is he going to be fast enough to get to the edge? Can he get up the sideline, get to the second level? If he can, I mean, yeah, he's not going to run over people the same way that we saw last year, but I, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan State, again, is one of the better rushing teams in the, the conference and even the country. I mean, we'll just kind of have to see. I i uh, will be curious to see if Buffs fans would be happy for Broussard if he had a big year or not. I, I would think so, but the fact that he went and played with Tucker probably makes it harder.
1: Yeah, uh, a little bit of salt in the wound. Still, uh, I'd assume I'm, it may help that Alex Fonteno is also on this list uh, for the buffs. So uh, maybe that kind of eases the pain if Fonteno has a big year, has a big year.
0: He's got a chance to have a breakout year. I mean, they're going to need him to be effective because, based on what we've seen out of Brendan Lewis so far, I just I just don't see it. I mean, I, he played a little bit better at the end of the year, those last two games, but. I'd be a little bit concerned going into this year if I was a Buffs fan, just with what they lost. And sometimes it's addition by subtraction, though. Maybe it'll be one of those scenarios. I, you know, I'm not even like trying to throw shade.
1: For sure, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, it's uh, it's quite a change that that team has undergone.
0: All right, let's uh, let's move on here. Let's do our final segment, and let's talk about where we expect the Broncos to target in the 2023 draft. Obviously, at this point, we're just kind of throwing darts at the board. Training camp just started. haven't even seen preseason yet. So this could be a scenario that a week from now, our opinion could completely change based on what we see, based on what we hear. But uh, going into the season, what do you expect it to be? What do you expect to be one of the Broncos top draft needs?
1: And I guess I'll go with the, the low-hanging fruit here, and just go with inside linebacker. I mean, another year, another need inside linebacker. They've kind of done well to pick up guys that just like kind of fill in. Uh, of course, Josie Jewell coming back. So you have that a little bit of continuity there. Um, I think we're, you know, hoping Justin Sternod can kind of give us some things also, uh, maybe some versatile play. Um, and then of course they signed Alex Singleton. Um who knows really though, if this is actually good enough. I think is the point I'm trying to make this has just been, you know, one of the glaring weaknesses on this team for damn, since uh, Trevathan left really and Marshall's play kind of fell off all that time ago. Um, So I think that in order for this team to kind of be the most well-rounded, I think they wouldn't like to pick a inside linebacker fairly high at some point, but they just haven't shown any commitment to the position at all. So uh, which kind of makes sense, but um, yeah, we'll see, I guess. What about you?
0: Well, and I wonder how much of that had to do with Fangio. I mean, just being comfortable, kind of having that be the position where they lacked. You know, he wanted the pass rushers. He wanted the lockdown defensive backs, and he just kind of was willing to concede that that was going to be the area of the defense that was the weak link. I agree. I I think inside linebackers, the easiest choice outside of that probably go back to right tackle uh, potentially even left tackle depending on you know how Garrett Bowles looks this year but I mean he's getting older like he he has looked good these last couple years it it he finally got to that point where we needed him to be but the, the depth is definitely a concern for me the fact that it's basically just been a revolving door at right tackle between Fleming and whoever else they've Break in for a couple of weeks. They just, they've got to solidify it. They got to get some continuity in that offensive line if they're going to have any chance of, you know, competing in this electric AFC West.
1: Yeah. Uh, you kind of reap what you sow when you draft these older prospects, right? Uh, Garrett Bowles entering his, what is this? I'm sorry. I don't have it off the top of my head. I think six seasons seven year, season? I think.
0: Yeah.
1: At age 30. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, this is why you you kind of warn against drafting those older prospects because, I mean, even if they do hit, you're just going to need that need or that position that much sooner. Uh, I'll go back to running back, too, uh, to keep in line with today's show. Of course, Melvin Gordon brought back on the one-year deal again. We'll see how Mike Boone actually looks if he's able to stay healthy all year and actually contribute to this backfield. Um, I don't need to tell you about my guy, Javante. He's an absolute stud but it seems that they're kind of committed to keeping his carries somewhat limited and at least sort of splitting the backfield and going back to, I mean, damn, we've talked about this about two years too. They don't really have a weapon out of the backfield in the passing game too. Um, I know that Gordon kind of does some great things in that department and Williams has shown some flashes, but I'd like an actual weapon out of the backfield. Uh, Just going back to my list, someone like Devin Aking, you get something like that out of the backfield, a a quick uh, impact. Actful option in the passing game. And as a runner, uh, that would be something that I would be looking for. If I was in control, we'll see though. They kind of nixed me on that one in April. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be, I mean, I'd be very surprised if Melvin Gordon is back next year because either the only way I see him coming back is if he has a down year and they're able to get him back on a crazy cheap deal because if he pops at all, then I imagine he's going to try and get paid somewhere else. And if he's just like, okay, then I don't know if it's worth bringing him back either because he's still going to probably want at least what we're paying him now. So it, this feels like it's probably the last year of Melvin Gordon in Denver and Nathaniel Hackett has been very complimentary of him. That is something that stood out to me. I mean, but yeah, I think if you could get a another change of pace back to mix it up with Williams, even I mean, I like a Charbonnet paired with him, you'd have two guys that can run You're hard, but he down. catches it yeah. out of the backfield well. I mean, I'd love that. Or my guy, Deuce Vaughn, obviously, that would be a complete 180. That'd be like smash and dash. You don't get this little bit of thunder and lightning out there. I don't know. I just, I want to see this offense be creative. You have a quarterback in Russell Wilson who historically, when he's been at his best, it's, you know, when you run the ball well, when you create those opportunities and play action, then you, you know, attack over the top. But you need that running back. You need that component. Whenever he had a great running back, that's when he was best. I think they have it in Javante, but like you said, they they do seem committed to not doing the the bell cow approach. And honestly, that might be an outdated concept. Like other than the Derrick Henry's of the world, how many running backs are there really that on a week to week basis, it's like, all right, we're going to give you 30 carries.
1: Right. No, I completely hear you. But I mean, at the same time, we just spent how long going through how many names at running back. And this is every year, man, The the college game pumps out these running backs. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, this is something I've kind of thought of too. If I was in the, uh, the position of George Payton in a decision-making role, um, in a kind of team building role, um, I don't know why you wouldn't at least take a running back every year, if not every other year, just to have fresh legs in the room. Um, I mean, who cares if they hit or not, who cares if Javante is really good, just keep on, you know, keep bringing fresh legs into the room. Uh, Just because we've seen that injuries and so many things can happen. I mean, how many teams have you seen on their fourth, fifth string running back by October, signing guys off the street, just hoping for anything in the run game. It's something Russell went through in Seattle. Uh, They battled a lot of injuries. Uh, We just saw Chris Carson retire uh, from his neck issues. So uh, that's just what I would think. Um, Who knows though, this is why I'm in this position. I would, I, I, I'd, I'd be down for it,
0: man. Like, so many times i feel like the 7th round pick, the 6th round pick gets thrown away on a receiver and to me that's when you that's when you take a fire on a running back, that's when you take a fire on a quarterback. Receivers are a dime a dozen at this point. You can get the the caliber of receiver that you're bringing in in the 7th round most of the time, you can get that guy off the streets any day of the week.
1: Or it's someone like Montrell Washington who's just really fast and is just going to end up being your returner, you know? So, uh, or not you know, even on uh, the team potentially. There you go. Um, also, uh, I'm going to kind of cheat here. I'm going to go kind of a uh, defensive line slash edge, uh, just with Bradley Chubb being in a contract year and, you know, maybe other than inside linebacker, it seems like defensive tackle, uh, kind of the weakest position on this team. I mean, you know, they put some resources into the draft. They brought Purcell back. They have some guys on the roster from previous drafts, like Telvin and Ajim. But I don't, it, just looking at the names on this defensive line, it doesn't really get me too excited. Uh, you don't really have any high picks coming up in this next draft either. So you're not going to get any of the good big guys. Uh, assuming someone maybe falls for injuries, kind of your best hope there and getting another good defensive tackle. Um, but yeah, this position needs some work.
0: It's been a while since Denver's had somebody that could really wreak havoc on the interior. Like, Purcell played well last year, and I am glad they brought him back. He's a cool story. I mean, former Wyoming Cowboy went and played in the AAF. I I actually heard a cool story this past week, so I'll just tell it real quick, just since it's on topic. When the AAF folded, he was literally sitting in the parking lot, and my buddy Cody Tucker, who covers Wyoming, Goes up, knocks on his window. They're talking to him. He's like, you know, what are you going to do? And he's like, I don't know, man. Clearly this football career just isn't going to pan out. You know, I, I can't keep doing this to my girl. And a couple months later, somehow ends up making it on the Broncos, being impactful. So I, I love stories like that. I'm rooting for him. But you need... You know, you need someone to be that Malik Jackson in 2015, even Derek Wolf when he was played on the inside. Like, you just need somebody that's not just going to eat up space, but is actually going to, you know, create a little bit of pressure
1: every now and then. Right. I mean, it seems like there's a lot kind of weighing on this DJ Jones signing. Um, You know, I think he kind of is in the position where he really has to have an impact and stay on the field. Otherwise, the guy from Tennessee
0: they got that, got hurt week one, like a year or two ago, the defensive lineman. Oh, Jesus Christ.
1: Number 99. What was he? You know who I'm
0: talking about? Why am I not? I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to blank on his. He was like a legitimate player too. Anyways, (laughs) it feels like that. It feels like we're setting up for a scenario where it's like, oh, we got this guy. He's going to come in and kill it. And then week one, if he goes down, it's like, oh, wah, wah, wah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, We'll see exactly. I am going crazy right now. <laughs> it's going to bug me for the rest day, of the sorry. day.
0: I hope that if you're listening to the podcast right now, you know exactly who you're, I'm talking about, and it's not going to be you're one of those. At us. I, I should know it. I, yeah. In Especially
1: my the defense, J.
0: the amount of names that I learn in a college and NFL season and high school, because I have to cover recruiting too, they start to blend together after a while, guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Jarrell Casey. Jarrell ah, Casey.
0: Good God, that was brutal.
1: But yes, it I mean, reminds
0: me of that scenario where it's like, if he pans out, it's going to be epic. And you got him on a team-friendly deal and he's shown he can be solid. But if like we're counting on Jarrell Casey, if we're counting on DJ Jones being the anchor of the defense, the the difference this year, I don't know. Like, I, I like him. I think he's better than Casey, even. So maybe it's not a fair comparison. But I just, it feels like that that situation.
1: Also, compared to Casey, he's much younger, too. I mean, Jarrell Casey was kind of coming in towards the Good end point. of his career after Tennessee. Um, so you were kind of just hoping that you could capture lightning in a bottle on that last contract year. Uh, it didn't end up working out. But DJ Jones seems like a guy kind of on the other side of that. He seems to be just be hitting his prime. Uh, entering his second contract now. Um, he got paid, so we'll see if he's able to carry through. Uh, any other positions you want to throw out, though, before we get out of here?
0: Uh, not from a draft perspective, but I'm just curious. What does your gut say as far as Brandon McManus goes? Is Brandon McManus still mm-hmm. going to be Denver's kicker in 2023?
1: Man, um Honestly, I kind of hope so. He's one of my favorite Broncos, not going to lie. His friendship with Vaughn I thought was one of the coolest things about the team for a while. Um, And from what I remember, I don't remember any kind of bad play last year from him. I think he was still pretty consistent. Uh, The leg still seems pretty juiced up. I mean, he's still knocking balls out of the back of the end zone on kickoffs. He's still hitting them from 45, 50 yards out. Um, It is kind of this weird situation, though, where you're going to have to start, like, paying your kicker. That's what uh, I mean. It's, which, it's going to
0: be kind of that awkward dilemma where, yeah, do you really want to pay somebody like him Justin Tucker money when he's not, he's okay. not that kicker. Like he is an above average kicker, probably top 10, maybe even top five, but not top three.
1: I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a valid question. And then you go and look at examples like last year where the Bengals drafted Evan McPherson and what the fourth, fifth round, uh, the rookie kicker out of Florida and he comes in and kicks ass. Uh, but we've seen it before, you know, uh, like Blair Walsh, these kind of rookie kickers come in and they have great rookie years and then they kind of just lose it for one reason or another. Um, that's a good question, though. I mean, at some point, I think you, have, if you're George Payton, you kind of have to put that into consideration. Uh, you do want a reliable kicker. And I think, you know, with Russ on the team now, uh, the fact that you're not having to rely on so many 40 and 50 yard field goals, uh, we might be able to. Might be entering an era where you kind of see a little de-emphasi- de-emphasizing the kicker position, um, but then part of my mind just goes back to 2015 and how big McManus was in that run, even with Peyton on the team. Well, and um, when Peyton you Manor don't have team, a good kicker, like again, I'm you feel while like. I
0: am trying to make the point that he's not an elite kicker, he's a really good kicker. You'd certainly take him over, you know, the vast majority of the kickers in the league. Bears fans will never forget the double doink. So, I mean, it's it's one of those when you don't have one, it, it comes into play really quick. Last position I'll throw out there, and it was actually a position I wanted to see them address this offseason as punter. I think they need more than what they've gotten from Sam Martin. I don't know. I just... I watched Stonehouse, and granted, obviously, I'm a CSU guy, but being in a conference where I saw him and Matt Ariza just boom the hell out of the ball... Time after time after time, and I was like, "Man, this this is a hell of a lot more impressive than what I'm paying to watch at the Broncos Stadium every Sunday."
1: Uh, Sam Martin entering the final year of his three year contract signed back in 2020. um, I think it's definitely on the table. I mean, I don't know if we have any. I don't know if stone for the record, but yeah, right. No, no I, I get what you're saying. I don't know if we have any stone houses or arises coming out in this class though. Uh, so yeah, definitely. I don't think looking at draft, but it's something to look at and, uh, you know, paying Russ is going to happen at some point. They're going to have to pay, uh, Jerry Judy at some point. I mean, there's guys PS two at some point, they're gonna have to pay some top of the market money here, uh, coming up in the next few years. So, I mean, would be wise, I guess, to kind of see how you could trim a few million off certain positions and kind of get away, um, you know, in some positions other than than, like, actual important positions. I mean, I don't want to say the punter-kicker isn't important, but if you can trim money there, you trim money there, you know?
0: It's one of those you want the best that you can get at a reasonable budget. Like, it's... There are always going to be elite options out there, but you just don't necessarily want to have to pay for it. Like, as as phenomenal as Justin Tucker is, and, I mean, talk about clutch... It's not like, you know, because they've had Justin Tucker, they've won four Super Bowls or something like that. You could argue he was a big part of why they won that one in addition to the most fluky run from Joe Flacco of all time. But I don't know. It's just something to consider. Uh, keep keep an eye on Ryan Stonehouse, by the way. Currently, currently on Tennessee, he's trying to battle with Brett Kern, former Bronco, 15-year veteran. The Titans have been pretty blunt about wanting more. Kern did take a discount to give himself a better opportunity to stay on the team. But if Stonehouse right. gets cut, let's move on from Martin and let's bring him in. Let's get it done.
1: Hey Amen. And I think part of the thing in his favor, too, there is we've seen a lot of these kickers and punters, even if they're uh not high profile like Stonehouse or Riza, they get second chances. Uh um, good point. You know, it's just it's just part of the game. You're always gonna be trying out different kickers i think it's an area that you always think you can potentially improve at in terms of performance and also in terms of maybe paying one guy a little bit less than who you have so
0: did you see the headline the other day i believe i believe it was the buccaneers it was one of the florida teams they had a rookie kicker and he kicked a ball and it missed by like 30 yards and hit some hall of fame guy on the sideline and it was so <laughs> bad they cut him Oh no! I did
1: not see that. He and, uh, missed so badly they cut him. <laughs> I'm gonna have to find this story. That's hilarious, but uh, man, the Bucks after after the Aguayo fiasco, hearing a uh, bad kicker news coming out of there. If it's them, that's that's not good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, man, this was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to previewing some of these other positions as we get closer to the season. Diving into the schedule, we'll obviously give out. Our preseason picks at some point will make it official who we think will win the Heisman, who we think will win the Natty, all of that fun stuff. I mean, I can tell you now, I think it's going to be Bama, but we'll do it uh, officially when we get into it. For Jake, for my guys, Hank and Dre, who could not join us today, thank you for always supporting our content. We really are going to have fun this fall. Much love to you all. Stay cool out there. Peace. Peace.